you're listening to Big Blend Radio's Lost Angel Travel Adventures show with Linda Ballou, travel writer and author, and your host, Lisa Smith. So everybody, welcome. Uh, today, we're going to go to the Grand Canyon. Uh, we're very excited to talk about uh, the story, Rafting in the Wake of Georgia White. And uh, Georgie White, excuse me. Georgie, uh, she, I mean, Linda Ballou finds these women to write about all over the place, all across the country, around the world. And of course, you can go to her website, Lost Angel Adventures. Dot com and also lindabalooauthor.com. She did write about rafting in the wake of Georgie White in her book, Lost Angel Unleashed. So you can check that out. And the story won a Solis Award at Travel Tales Publications. But welcome back. How are you, Linda? Oh, I'm fabulous. And I'm excited to talk about this story. You know, I mean, it's one of my favorites. I think rafting the Grand Canyon was big on my bucket list. And I... Yeah. Um, yeah, I courted, courted the, the owner of the Grand Canyons Expedition, which is the oldest company running the river, uh, for three years <laughs> before <laughs> I got that trip. But I got it, and I tell you, it was the most fabulous, um, really uh, mind-bending kind of an experience. You know, transformational. I know that word is overused, but really, you raft the Grand Canyon, you stay on the canyon for you know, about 11 days with uh, just, uh, you know, totally unplugged, mm. completely unplugged. And, um, you know, going through these formations that, you know, some of them look like you're in ancient Egypt at the top, you know, pharaohs and Nefertiti. And, you know, your imagination goes wild with all of these fabulous uh, formations that are carved by the Grand, by the Colorado River. Mm. So, yeah, I would say of all the journeys that I've had and been lucky enough to do, the Grand Canyon, rafting the Grand Canyon is right up on top. Well, I love about in your story, and um, again, everyone, Lost Angel Unleashed, which is Linda's uh, latest book out, um, you know, it's a personal, these are a lot of personal stories, but what I really got from it, too, is, you know, the Southwest is dramatic, it's beautiful, there's serenity now, <clears throat> but it also, um, if you're not aware, it can kick your butt. For example, flash floods through the desert. You could sit and see a beautiful day. And I learned how to, you know, navigate flash flood country and have been through flash floods. I remember picking up a friend and driving him to Vegas and we lived out in Joshua Tree and I said, there's going to be a flash flood. And he looked at me, that's a blue sky. There's absolutely no clouds. I said, there's going to be a flash flood. We're going to have a monsoon. It's coming. I can feel it. No, 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 no. He keeps talking like we need to get in the car and go. Well, we get in the car, go finally. And the monsoon came and you could see the flood go across the Mojave Desert like the ocean tide come in. And we had to go and we actually even bottomed out. We had a little car issue there because everyone was like, let's get out. We're in the backwoods of nowhere in this desert. And he's like, I will never. It was the quietest he's ever been. I will never second guess you again. I said, the desert is weird, my friend. Because it's so secret. <laughs> well, it's and but the river rafting experience you had was that same thing, all serenity, and then all of a sudden you got to wake up because you can't just be in that zone, that well, zone moment, right? Uh, you know, the weather is mercurial, yeah. and the canyon is magical, and you put those two things together, 
And in a, in a little better than a week's time, you experience, you know, a myriad of emotions and, uh, you know, uh, well, I, I, I have a piece that I'd really love to read because it kind of sets the, sets the uh, stage here. So this is, uh, on the, at the end of the river, but still wake up people. Find your behind and sit on it, Captain Adam yelled over the roar of the monster wave spilling into a 20-foot hole dead ahead. It's the biggest water I've seen here, he said, as we motored closer to Lava Falls. The flips at this very place, the most fearsome rapid in the 227-mile Grand Canyon run, were notorious. I bolted from my daydreaming position on the warm pontoon of our raft. While drifting between walls of black porous rock, once inside the cone of a volcano, I'd sunk into river time. Ominous walls scoured by bubbling lava from the molten core of the earth held me spellbound. But when we floated past the enormous basalt plug in the middle of the river, I'd forgotten that it meant we were approaching lava falls and that I was holding a one-way ticket home. The enormous wave cascading over the lip of the rock was begging to catch a boatman in a mistake. We planned to stay to the right of the hole to avoid being swallowed by the river. I could see water spitting from the churning brew as we headed for the maelstrom. I held on to the straps for all I was worth and prayed I wouldn't get washed off the raft. My mantra on this trip was, stay in the boat. A thrashing bull ride later, it was over, leaving us clapping and laughing as we rocked and rolled through the rest of the wave train. And when Georgie White ran Lava Falls before the installation of Glen Canyon Dam in 1964, the volume of water was often five times what we experienced. What a woman. So Georgie was the first one to raft the canyon. She not only rafted the canyon, she swam the canyon. <laughs> you know, wow. she had on a life vest, but she, the whole 227 miles, she rafted it by herself and swam it by herself. And the re- and, and what got this started was, and the reason I identified so much with Georgie White was because she was a selling real estate in Los Angeles. And guess what? Oh, I have, hello. I sell real estate in Los yeah. Angeles all my adult life. So uh, she was bicycling on the Pacific Coast Highway with her daughter, who was 15. And her daughter was hit and run by a driver and killed instantly. And this just tore Georgie apart. She, She couldn't, you know, function. So she went to the Grand Canyon and she hiked on the trails there in the canyon for about two years. Wow. <laughs> With a, and she would eat a, a, a tin of tomatoes and she was, had all this energy on this ridiculously low protein diet. I mean, but she was, she was just phenomenal. And uh, after two years of hiking around the canyon, she decided to swim the canyon. You know, and then um, she loved it so much. She was so enamored with the canyon that um, she created what they call a G-rig. 
and she laced together three uh, rafts, uh, uh, army surplus rafts, which would be strong enough uh, and buoyant enough to go through the rapids. So she was... She then went to Hollywood and went to Hollywood companies and tried to get PR for the canyon, you know, to bring people because she loved the experience so much she wanted to share it. Mm. So she was like the first one to raft and brought all kinds of people to the canyon. And uh, I don't know whether she'd be happy today about what she did. Because right. Now, I was gonna, now the yeah. canyon is rushed by and the park prevents. You can't go in more than 20,000 people a year. But now there's motorized crafts, there's uh, dories, um, you know, there's and the, helicopters. Still, but I have to say, it is still, uh, well, you don't, hit, I wasn't bothered too much by helicopters, fortunately, um, mm. you know, and, and, and so even with that amount of people on the river, the beach camps, you know, our guides knew which beach camps we would stop at. If there were other people there, we wouldn't stop there. We would go mm. to oh, a, nice. an isolated beach camp. And you would sleep out under the stars. And that was just so magnificent yeah. because, you know, you could you could really see the sky, the desert sky. Mm. And uh, it was warm. You know, it was like 70. And there weren't any mosquitoes, which is wow. lovely <laughs> and unusual. There were yeah. lots of bats, bats floating around. You could see them, you know, against the full moon. And I, it was just a mystical experience for me. And one of the funnest things we did uh, is the Little Colorado River, which comes down mm-hmm. from Havasu, and it's turquoise. And it's you think, beautiful. what is this turquoise water doing mm-hmm. here? You know, because the Grand Canyon is kind of a rusty color, like those canyon walls mm-hmm. behind me and in that and on my book. That book, although those rusty things are in Australia, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, they look quite a bit the same, don't they? Uh, you, we went swimming there, and it was warm water coming, you know, it wasn't wow. from the dam. The water from the dam is cold. You can't swim in it anymore. When when Georgie was swimming in the river, it was like 70 degrees. But now it's like 55 degrees because it's wow. you know, released from the dam, but also it's controlled. So it's not nearly yeah. as dangerous. But um, there was like a water slide there, and, you know, many of us, there were like three groups of us playing around on this water slide for the longest time. It was so fun, you know. Well, and that's a, that's a, it's a, it's quite a hike, you know, if you're not doing it the way you are doing it. I know people hike right. I haven't been the other way down. I know. I look at it and it's a beautiful pool and there's a waterfall and there are campsites mm-hmm. and people go there. And I wouldn't mind going there, but I saw it from the other side, which is really kind of special mm-hmm. because Supapu or Supupai or something like that. The navel of the earth for the Indian people is in between the Colorado, where the main Colorado and the mm-hmm. Havasu Fall area. And so we were not allowed to go any further up the river because mm-hmm. that would have been um, disrespectful. Yeah, the sacred. So, uh, yeah, we were in, uh, it, it's really special to do the, to, to raft the river for another reason is because there are slot canyons that you hike up, and um, one of them was the jumping off place for the spirits. And so the Indian people believe they put wear an earring in their a round earring in their ear, mm-hmm. so that when they jump off at this place, the spirits on the other side will catch them with their earring. Oh, <laughs> I love that. 
I, you know, but I love those stories too. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. And just, well, you know, the, the Indians, they, uh, one of the really neat experiences there is hiking up Nankoweep where the Indian granaries were like 10,000 years old. Mm. And it's not only a marvelous hike and a significant Indian um, treasure, the view from it is phenomenal, mm. just phenomenal, you know. It's mm. a bit, but, so you were like up up for like Marble Canyon area, right? Because that's gorgeous, and that's near the Vermilion Cliffs area. Right. We went through we all of that. <laughs> we got lost in the Vermilion Cliffs, like totally lost and didn't know where we were. Easy like, to do. <laughs> and it's like, do you turn left or right? I have no idea. This is before all the GPS tools and everything that, you know, we right. all have now. But um, it's, it's beautiful. It is just amazing. Right. And one of the things that's really phenomenal about this experience is that you you keep going down lower and lower and lower, like a mile down, you know, the, it's mm-hmm. carved down, 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 down. And at one point at the lowest part of the river, we went for a walk into one of these slot canyons. And the walls of the canyon were like bubbles, you know, like the rocks had been molded into bubbles like plastic. So... Mm. It was a very bizarre formation, and from the weight, the crush of the earth and the heat and so on had changed, transformed these rocks wow. into a, a bubble wall. <laughs> it was like, I don't know That's how wild. else to describe it. Yeah. And so and the other thing uh, I want to say about the river is that anybody can do it. Literally, anyone can take this trip. Um, one lady who was on the trip with us mm-hmm. when she was a little girl she heard the Grand Canyon Suite. And it's just stuck with her so much. And if you want to add music to this, please make it the Grand Canyon Suite. (laughs) And so since she was a little girl, she always dreamed of coming to the canyon, okay? Mm. And now she was like about 50, maybe 55, and she was in a fourth stage of cancer. Wow. So that's an epic. I mean, there's bucket list travel, but when you're, and you still push yourself, at that level of cancer. And it was, it was really tender. It was really tender because her husband was like a really, he was very quiet, very Mm soft-spoken man, but he was like a burly, you know, you know, very masculine guy. Like he was like a miner or something, you know, I don't know exactly what he did for a living, but he, you could tell that he was a hard worker. Let's put it that way from somewhere. And, he just carried her from the raft to the shore and put up their tent. Oh, and wow. Took, took such great care of her, honestly. Uh, but uh, if you could just get in and out of the raft, that's all you had to do. Because if he hadn't been along, the guides would have put up, popped up her tent. So my point is, mm. don't let a mobility issue stop you from one of life's finest experiences. That's a really good point, because... You know, it, it, you can go through some rapids, right? As as you talk about in in, in your story, but um, don't put it off, and don't wait either. Right. Don't. I mean, look at what Nancy and I do traveling the country together. I mean, it's kind of people look at us, we're nuts, and we're like, she doesn't want to stop, and until she wants to stop, I'm not stopping. You know, why would I do that? You know, um, you got to do that. And what you're talking about when you have these experiences and these kinds of adventures. Because no matter what fear lurks, right? There's no way there isn't some 
part of, oh, like an oh hell moment, right? When you <laughs> like, you see the rapids, you hear the water, you know. So there's right. those moments, but you've got that connectivity on these kind of small, it's a very Im- intimate and immersive experience with these people that suddenly like you're all together. Well, and let's talk about that a little bit, the community that forms in the group in, on an mm-hmm. eight-day trip, right? Or, or you know, I, yeah. eight, I think it was 10 days. But anyway, um, one of the people on the trip was a young man named Matt. And he, he was just kind of, we, we, we thought he was kind of, he was, I would say he was about 27 or 8 or something. Mm-hmm. He was from London and he was a chatty Cathy and he would just go on and on about the record shop that he worked in in London. He knew the name of every oh, record cool. that was ever made. Right. And at some points I had to say, Matt, please give it a rest. We're on the <laughs> river. I want to hear the river, you know. So but he was a character. But he uh, we went through what was called the deep freeze, which was a, a narrow corridor. And it's cold because there's no sun coming. The, you know, it's narrow and there's no sun. And then, of course, it started to rain. Really a freezing okay. rain. You do have to have your rain clothes. You do have to be prepared for the elements because, like we said, mercurial weather, you know. So Matt was up on the bow of the boat without a jacket yelling, being splashed by these big waves in this really cold deep freeze place yelling bring it on (laughs) bring it on bring it on and and our guide adam you know he said get him back in the boat people so we went around a couple of us this other man and myself and we pulled matt back in to the what they called the chicken coop was was where you could be dry even in the worst cases right so he was shaking and trembling. And so the two of the women, you know, and we were worried for him. And so two of the women were nurses and they oh, took a garbage bag and they cut holes on for arms and for uh, for his head and put it on and wrapped him up. And we, we both, all of us like, you know, got around him, you know, the two women yeah. on each side to warm him up because he was getting hypothermia because once again, that water isn't 70 degrees now and it was cold and raining and blah, blah, blah. So through this experience, the nurses informed us that he was autistic. They diagnosed him as being autistic. And from that point forward, he was like our charge, you know, (laughs) yeah. Looking out for Matt because he he didn't realize how dangerous he was to himself, mm. and so you know he you know off time like one time he wanted to go for a hike. We said, "I'm sorry, Matt. You know you you know we were afraid you would you might hurt yourself there. So please please don't do that." You know, but he yeah. was very intelligent, and I remember we were sitting at the campfire at the end of the trip, and I can't exactly remember what he said about the trip, but it was so poetic. You know, I was just blown away. <laughs> but that's but that's the thing, you know, um, it's a special need, you know, when, when someone's got right. autism, and now they actually have um, communities that are becoming uh, in hospitality, Right. Uh, becoming autistic centers. So like uh, Visalia, California, which is a gateway to Sequoia National Park, became the very first one. We've done shows on it where 
they wear a yellow bracelet kind of thing, you know, the oh, you plastic know. kind of things. And people just go, they don't say, oh, do you have autism or anything like that? They just go, right. oh, I see you wearing the, ba- the bracelet thing. How can I help you? Oh, right. let's maybe take you away from a place that's high energy. Right. That might upset you, know? you or make you nervous. I mean, I know uh, autistic people who hold down jobs and, you know, lead, yeah. lead independent lives. And they can. But uh, in this instance... He had to be pulled back because he but, was yeah. he was going to hurt himself, you know. Well, there's so, a buddy system that goes with these kinds of things. It's right. a buddy system, and right. and it's important because I think you can't go traveling thinking that you're just going to sit back and everything's going to be done for you. You can't. No. I think you have to be part of that community, and what? it obviously was memorable for you. Because oh, well, it was people. very important. It was very important when now we all had a very deep connection with Matt. And like I said, he became our charge. You know, he was like, our <laughs> ma- I won't say mascot, but our charge. He, we we yeah. felt responsible for taking care of him. And, um, and, 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 and anyone could go, like I say, you know, a lot of things can happen on a trip. Um, we didn't have any injuries, but you know, things can happen. And I, I think when you're in a situation like that, like you can help out at camp. Yeah, you have guides, but if, you know, you can set up the chairs that you can do, you can participate. You can be part of, of taking care of one another on an outdoor trip. When I rafted the Tachinchini River, which was a very dangerous trip, much more dangerous than the Grand Canyon. Uh, there were no helicopters. If you went into the boat, out of the boat, he were going to get hypothermia in three minutes, and there wasn't going to, be, and there were no helicopters. <laughs> and Are it we was, back to helicopters like last? last yeah, month really. No, no more helicopters. Get so, insurance, uh, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> evacuation insurance, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my next article for my Boomer column. I have a, a column, by the way, on the National Association of Baby Boomer Women. Mm-hmm. And my next one is all about travel insurance. I think travel insurance is not well understood and and should be clarified uh, for people. So anyway, uh, yeah. Participate. Be part of the community. Because if it's just like, oh, you know, sit back, then you don't get to know people as well. Well, you're not part of the experience. You know what I mean? You you, you set yourself apart if you know, you know, sometimes the guides will say, no, please get out of my way. You know, you're, you're not helping me. You're in my way, but I think it's, uh, and, and to help your other guests, you know, like I needed help putting up my tent. I admit it. (laughs) Those sticks are like, I don't, I don't care what kind of tent it is. We all need help with tents. (laughs) So I, I needed help from, uh, you know, anyone who would, volunteer to help me put up my tent but once I had my tent up I was fine and some Mm -hmm. nights I didn't even have a tent because it was so pleasant I mean I was lucky very fortunate that way in terms of the weather we only had that one icebox experience and it was just for an hour or so that we were in this this stretch because you go through different um, echo you know uh, microclimates as you go through the canyon Mm-hmm. You know, so that's and but it's so neat to be on the water side. Like, you know, even ki- I love kayaking. I absolutely adore it because there's you're almost more connected with nature in a way. Like, definitely, absolutely. You, you don't want to do. I mean, there's scenic drives and everything, which are great. But unless you're hiking or actually when you're in the water, you just become part of the ecosystem. To right. Me. Well, I love to be immersed in nature. That's mm-hmm. me. I'm a nature nut. Uh, mm-hmm. My theme song is "We Can Find Salvation in Nature," 
and I do, and I have to get out of the car. I can't stay in the car. I have to. I know. Be on the river. Uh, I, you know, I've taken many horse treks, and mm-hmm. I love. That's my favorite mode of transport, I think. But I love rivers, and um, I rafted the Salmon River, which was a really fine river, and maybe we'll talk about that one day. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that you Tach- I have to say the Tachinchini River is 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 that's scary. Well, it's but it's so incredible. Uh, it's so fantastic. I think I think what's so great about talking about these places and these experiences is, you know, to do something other than the typical and to put yourself out of your comfort zone and doing something like the Grand Canyon can lead you to going, OK, now I'll do a little bit of a stronger river kind of thing. And right. you can grow from there, right? Because right. it's so to grow as a human being is to be, you know, the more you can connect with nature. I mean, it's like why surfers surf. It's like, right. you know, you can get hurt out there, but man, do we want to catch yeah, that wave? Yeah, you have to be there. You saw all those big waves that were on the news, right? Yeah. The sur- <laughs> surfers were out there loving it. Bring I know. It and you know something. Yeah, I know. And I'm like that too. And it's like, what? Um, I don't know. There's that little spark of like, I don't know. And, and you also realize pretty quickly how big nature is and nature is big. You yeah. can't mess with her. Yeah. You know, if you're, you're going to get in a fight with mother nature, you're going to lose. <laughs> you yep. gotta learn. She's going to learn how to go with, go with mother nature's uh, movement. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, if people want to get into river rafting, the American river in California is a great place to begin. I think that was my first river. Um, and I that, I did the Rogue River uh, a couple of years back, and that's mm-hmm. a real easy, fun river. And there's lots of ways to do the Rogue. They have a, a a raft situation where they have you raft to lodge to lodge, and then that way you're mm. not camping out and you're sleeping. You know, and it's very civilized and comfortable. You know, there's that. That's nice, um, though. And, you know, and the Salmon River is in Idaho is quite a big river and a very exciting trip. But when I was on it, once again, anybody can do it. There was an 85-year-old woman who was a senator at one point in her life. And she had a following of women, like a half a dozen of them. Mm. And they do a different river every year. And That's she's, amazing. She's the big leader. And they call themselves the River Spirits. And I was very impressed with that. And she was 85. And all she had to do was get in and out of the raft. I hate to say it, but she sounds more awake than most politicians. Yeah, really. (laughs) I didn't say that. I didn't say it. But I mean, well, people are living longer and there's no reason for you not to live until you die. Do what you can. Live until you die is my my, my Mm -hmm. plan. (laughs) I want to burn out, not, you know, I don't want to rest out. You know, it's like, I I don't want to, I want to go like, I always say, I think it was Churchill said he wanted to go down like with dirty shirt. It was Churchill or Franklin, Ben Franklin that talked about like, I'm going to skid into my grave. You know, my, I'm not going to be all cleany weeny. I'm going in, you know, it's like, I'm so busy. And that's kind of how I feel about life too. But it is, you know, you're, you're bringing up something about when you go on these experiences that test you, you start to know yourself pretty well and you take on bigger challenges in life. Mm-hmm. There's a direct relation. I know you're, you know, the real estate professional side too, but when you challenge yourself with these kinds of things where they're, yes, very doable, but like I said, there's always that little element of mother nature. Oh, absolutely. Does it you can get hurt. Impact your life? Does it impact your life professionally and just as a human being? 
because you've expanded some uh, your experiences and you start to trust yourself better. I think people that may lack self-confidence, obviously you don't, doing these things will well, help you. Well, you know, I think, Lisa, that I feel sorry for young people today in the sense that they're so connected to their phones. They can't let go. Like I live in the mountains and the kids come out here to hike and they've got their bloody phones with them, you know, they're, you know, and they've got their, you know, they're not experiencing the place at all, you know, they, but uh, far be it from me to, you know, maybe it's more fun for them than what I have, but I, I want to hear the birds, mm-hmm. you know, I want to feel the breeze. I want to be in nature, you know, and, and, also, you always see people and also a lot of them, I hear them, they're, they're afraid. They're, they're not, afraid to let go of that connection, which I think is unfortunate. But then they'll, grow, they'll grow up and get over it. And, and, you know, the book, The Trail, is really good about that. It's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I recommend that one. He does the uh, the, the uh, Pacific Crest Trail mm-hmm. from Tuolumne Meadow up to Whitney. And mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best books I've read about that experience. It's really good about it being well, out there and how it affects him to be out there to be out in nature and disconnected from the phone is important i think you know we're getting you know connectivity in places that sometimes i don't think is good for the environment but i think you know we nancy and i've seen in all the park travels we do it blows our mind of how people are not aware of their surroundings because right. of their phone which is dangerous in itself yes, you, they're it so is. worried about stuff and i'm like you're doing the most dangerous thing you're not being aware so yeah you could step on a rattlesnake which i've almost done uh being on my phone stupidly um but also i mean we we were in mount rainier it was the beginning of our tour and we were in nisqually uh which is just wildflowers i mean they have also have paradise meadow i mean because it's paradise man it is just thick with wildflowers. I've never seen anything like it in an alpine setting. You know, I'm from mm-hmm. the bush in Africa. You didn't get it in alpine, you know. And um, Nancy and I were just blown away. Like you literally wanted to pinch yourself that this was real. And there was a mommy deer with their little babies. Oh, my gosh. And Nancy and I were sitting there. I'm filming this deer just and the deer just looked at us and they're enjoying the flower. They were chowing down and it's like people walked right by him. Like right by them. And I filmed people walk right by them. I'm going, this is literally the closest Bambi experience you can have. Yeah. And we happen in Sequoias, but they're on their phone or they're running, which I understand everybody enjoys the parks the way right. they want to. So I'm not knocking it, but there was this lack of actually connecting with nature. Uh, yeah, being aware of where they were. Well, I mm-hmm. hope that people reading my stories will take that step have a sense of being there Mm -hmm. and that it will inspire people to go there and and be you know and uh, and enjoy the outdoors you know and let it wash through you and let it cleanse you and let it inspire Mm -hmm. you and let it you know generate creativity it does all those things for me and i know it does does. others as well Mm -hmm. you know i love it i love it i think also you're taking people um to places that they may not get to in life um, it could be, you know, maybe you are, you know, hospital bound or something like that, that they're able to still go on an adventure, even if they may not be able to get there. So I think that's really also a important role of the, of 
people writing Arm, books. Armchair you know? travel. Armchair yeah, travel. Sometimes let, people have let, to have let that. Let me get the bumps and bruises and you can just sit there and enjoy. And then have another cup of tea. I like yeah, it. Really. I like it. <laughs> Linda, always a pleasure. We can't wait for next month. Um, hey, you know, we're on we're on a roll with all of these, you know, evacuation needs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you didn't need to get evacuated out of this one. No, um, so, I, no, but yeah, it's great fun for me to relive these experiences and to share my work, Lisa. So thank you very absolutely. much. And listen, happy 2024. We've got a lot of podcasts yeah, to do. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good so far. I'm really enjoying it. Of course, I'm here in Southern California where the weather's gorgeous. <laughs> well, next I mean, time I look at the news and I go, I go, oh boy, am I glad I live here. <laughs> well, I think the next time we talk to you, we're going to be doing a special broadcast with you and Christy Wood on, um, equestrian, uh, you know, cause oh, you've fun. both written about horses and, fun. um, I think we'll yeah. be in the snow when we talk to you next. And um, I might be saying, you know, <laughs> okay. I need to, I need to come to, All right. well, come to LA. That drive, Lisa. Thank you. All right. Everyone, lindabaloo.author.com, also lostangeladventures.com, especially for her book, Lost Angel Unleashed. Um, that's the one where she wrote about rafting in the wake of Georgie White. I love all these women that you, you are finding for us to learn about. It's like Grandma Gatewood. Um, you know, people like that are just, they're, they're inspiring. So thank you all so much and happy travels. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio's Lost Angel Travel Adventure Show with Linda Ballou, travel writer and author. Keep up with her at lindabalouauthor.com and lostangeladventures.com. You can also keep up with Big Blend Radio at bigblendradio.com. Now happy traveling.